Hey, this is Keith. Or some actor playing Keith, I'm not really sure anymore. But um, we're coming to the end. The end of my Los Angeles con spree. But before I leave, I have some scores to set and discover a couple truths to be revealed. It's all going to come down to the season finale of Rideshare Episode X. It's going to drop on December 3rd. Now, until then, I want you to catch up by binge listening the first season. And I suggest that you do exactly as I say. Or you're going to miss all the fun. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's Breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Hi, this is Bill Ratner. I'm the voice of Flint on G.I. Joe, and this is Knowing is Half the Podcast, which is actually an appropriation of the original saying, Knowing is Half the Battle, which was used in a number of public service announcements that have now been burlesqued on YouTube by a number of individuals, and I don't think there's a copyright issue at all. Have a good day. He never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe. Welcome back to Knowing Is Half the Podcast, your G.I. Joe episodic program podcast. I am Ray Stacanus. We're both too busy eating peanut M&M's to scold you. So hungry. <laughs> We're recording this on Halloween. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> which means all of the candy that we purchased ostensibly for the children who will be coming to the door trick-or-treating they is being no consumed. Children. There it, are no children. That it come will to be gone. Chan, Sorry, lives in a, Chan lives in a gated place with a security code. <laughs> yeah. If you think they're coming to your door, apartment door through the gate with the spikes on it. Ray, Gina, shut the fuck up and let me have this because I can't buy these big bags of candy for myself. But if I buy them in case children make it over the fence, um, then I don't feel any guilt. Speaking of children... This is a good segue into the episode. Hey, we're talking about an episode <laughs> called Once Upon a Joe, uh, written by... Buzz Dixon! Buzz Dixon episode, everybody! I, Yeah, I, again, I'm going to say that um, season two is markedly better than season one. There are some episodes, like, like they're slipping in a lot more humor, like, like actual legitimately funny jokes in a, an adult human person. Would think it's funny. Agree. And layers, too. It's not just like, here's the here's the battle of the week, and that's it, and it's all surface. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say, I think I think season one was a lot weirder. A lot weirder stuff Really? Happened. Well, there's I know what's ha- going to come up yet in season two that we haven't gotten to yet, <laughs> so, yeah. so we are going to go to crazy town. I but- mean, to be clear, this episode had cartoons beating... Like like cartoons in the world of G.I. Joe. I was going to say, Gina, I don't know if you know this. G.I. Joe is a cartoon. <laughs> I should change it to fairy tales. It had fairy tales. and it. Uh, but I mean, the thing is that it worked. Aesthetically, it functioned yeah. properly. Uh, I'll say right now, this is my favorite episode of season two up to this point. I loved this episode so much. I would so agree much. with that. I there were a lot of things that were great about it. Yes. I would hear right off the bat, immediately off the bat, my favorite thing about this whole episode 
is that they are that the, the cobras are hunting for the MacGuffin device, which I feel like most most people in storytelling. Yes. Uh, sorry to insult anyone's intelligence out there if you don't know this, but a lot of people know that uh, a MacGuffin device is 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 basically a a plot device. The that, term was that, invented by uh, Alfred Hitchcock. I think it was invented by him. I don't know. I don't know that. I feel like I feel like Chan Chan maybe did a little bit more to the internets. <laughs> but it's basically it's basically a device in a story that doesn't really have anything to do with the overall plot, but it's just the jumping off point to force things to happen. Oh, okay. I actually did not know that specific thing. Oh, so. well then then fuck you, Ray. Whoa! <laughs> Guys, we're getting to the meat of it here. It basically yeah, it's basically it's basically a useless thing that doesn't really end up p- paying off in any way. And that's why the references to it throughout are so brilliant because everyone keeps saying, "What is what is the MacGuffin device?" And everyone's like, "Beats me." And it's because in a, in a typical story, there is no meaning behind it. It's just to get to the main story. So it's like every single like uh, I notice this a lot in cartoons, like Simpsons, Family Guy, what have you. There'll be just like they're at the opera. And they're there for like a minute and a half, and then coming home from the opera is when the uh, uh, action actually takes place, and it launches into the rest of it. Yes, or like if you see a movie where they're all sort of like, "All right, we got to get that, we got to get this thing back," and the thing is is arbitrary because they know because it's about what happens on the journey to get the thing. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's basically the thing is arbitrary. It's just it's just a plot device. Gotcha. The rug in the Big Lebowski. For uh, people mm. who can't be bothered to go back there and you go. watch the Maltese Falcon, great, that's a MacGuffin. Great example. Great example. Mm-hmm. I was going to say it, the guy on the roof in The Hangover. It's it's a it's a useless advice that jump starts the action of all of all things. Uh, this is awesome, though. When I was looking for it, we basically covered what it is. Uh, it was popularized by Hitchcock. It probably existed before then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, in 1939, he gave a lecture at Columbia University, and. Um, he said, uh, it might be a Scottish name taken from a story about two men on a train. One man says, what's the, that package up there in the baggage rack? And the other answers, oh, that's a MacGuffin. The first one asks, what's a MacGuffin? Well, the other man says, it's an apparatus for trapping lions in the Scottish Highlands. The first man says, but there are no lions in the Scottish Highlands. And the other one answers, well, then there's, that's no MacGuffin. So you see that a MacGuffin is actually nothing at all. Yep. Oh, there you go. Which is, and again, it's great because uh, as as we'll see throughout the episode, they say it nine thousand times. Nine, I have yeah. the note written down. I here have being the like, count. How many I, times? I, okay. have I specifically specific. asked Chan to get all of them. What I will ask right now is, let's do a guess of the count at the end. Me and Eugenia will guess how many times MacGuffin device no, is no, said. No, guess now. You yeah, I'm going to guess now. Yep. Oh man, because okay. I have the number. All right, have the number. I'm, I'm not going to tell you the number. But. I'm going to guess. 20 minute episode. I'm going to guess 15. 15. I don't think it was that many. I'm going to say nine times. Okay. Number one. All we want is the MacGuffin device. Right out the bat. At the very beginning, also, um, you were giving me odd looks as I was uh, uh, making some noise over here earlier and, and plugging around with it. Yes. Um, the, uh, uh, the episode begins with... Um, Is the music, uh, the cliffhanger music. going to commercial, yeah. right? And it starts out like that, and then just stops. Like what? What? Uh, ooh, <laughs> I, this rhythm is fucking me up. Well, the episode begins with like a, a janitor just like working the night shift, and I'm mm-hmm. sort of like power janitor. Watch him mop, and then it's like uh, a cobra comes crashing in through the wall to steal 
the MacGuffin device. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, Chen, that was time number one. So let, 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 let's let's hear all the MacGuffin devices. Before Are we going to we go through all of them? Do you want, well, you or want, you or want to as we okay, go throughout as we the episode. Through okay, well, but I'll I, just... I would just like to point out that, yes, like Buzz is such like a smart guy that he not only just put it in as a reference, but put it in <laughs> and then proceeded to say it so many times, which mm-hmm. sort of goes against the MacGuffin device because mm-hmm. it's it's... It's usually a thing that's mentioned once and then either isn't mentioned again or is mentioned once and then is, is only mentioned in passing. But he was like, nah, screw this. I'm going to say it as many times as possible. And then yep. in the end, spoiler alert, it ends up actually doing something. Yes. And saving the day. So he clearly knew what a MacGuffin device was yes. and then sort of turned it on its ear. He's having a lot of fun with the writing of this episode. Yeah, he I'll, is. I'll reach out to him uh, before our next Know Your Joan uh, that we air uh, next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I will find out if he has any extra stuff he wants us to know about this episode. And I will ask him specifically about MacGuffin device. Yeah. <laughs> because us being us, like this was just like... It was something we noticed, even mm-hmm. if I wasn't mm-hmm. quite clear on what was going on, and I, I knew something was up. <laughs> and as Chan said, if you're a little like if if you're a little kid, you're not gonna get that. Nope. you're not gonna know what it means. But for adults, you're probably laughing throughout a lot of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so the. the the Strato Vipers show up. And can I say yeah. right now, I'm so happy with Cobra. It doesn't matter what your body type is. <laughs> you can be a Strato Viper. Are you referring to the two guys who come up later? <laughs> uh, they, they're there in the opening scene uh, because there's oh, a big, there's a huge, like, short, fat, stocky one yeah. and a tall, like, beanpole one hanging out together. To me, yeah, it reminded it's 21 me... and 24. Yep. And That's it exactly also, right. it reminded me of, like, because he was in full costume. So it reminded me of, like, Porkins from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Porkins. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The, the, who's, who's fine, who's... Use his full name. Show some goddamn respect. The man died in the assault Look, on the Death it's Star. It's one of the few reference level points <laughs> I have. I'm gonna use it. Oh, <laughs> uh, but then yeah, if you compare if you compare Porkins to like Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. who's also flying one, tall and skinny versus mm-hmm. versus a guy named um, Porkins. <laughs> Literally, he should have been eating chips in the cockpit. I still think that's a missed opportunity. Also, uh, where was this device? Cobra's Raiden MacGuffin Laboratories. That's right. Number two. Oh, yes. That's, uh, yes. That's I forgot about correct. that one. So in, in the room right there where they find out about the Cobra raid, does anybody think it's weird that Lowlight's in the middle of all these people cleaning his gun? I, I noticed notice it in that. the background. He's literally uh, uh, hanging out w- watching monitors, doing security, and he's got his rifle out, and he is just straight out like, <laughs> that's how accidents happen, Lowlight. I was accidents thinking, with I, quotes around it. I was thinking, why would they? Why so? So apparently, Beachhead, we find out in a second, is like the boy who cried wolf. Yes, like he keeps setting off alarms that don't mean anything. He will pull what? the fire alarm at three in the morning just to make sure you're ready for the real so one. So why would no, you no, no, put no. him on alarm duty? No, it's not Beachhead that's doing it. Uh, he just uh, um, it's it's specifically shipwreck is like lazy. <laughs> is like, dude, there's going to be forty Joes in that room. <laughs> He's not going to notice if I'm here. Yeah, and I Beach, guess that's true. Uh, and, and, and he know Beachhead knows better. <laughs> like, so you're saying Beachhead pulls it for, pulls it for reasonable reasons. Yeah, but but shipwreck is just like ah, he does it every time something's being stolen or someone's being murdered. Yeah, what am yeah, I no, expecting to jump up at the drop of a hat? Like until the cobras actually burst into <laughs> the uh, the pool room, he'll be like, "Nah, I'll be fine." We've said before in previous episodes, like all the Joes get in line and they say, "We need a volunteer," and then every Joe steps forward. Shipwrecks the guy in the back, looking like, "Oh, is everybody? 
Oh, shit. <laughs> I, mean, I don't have to. I'll be the only one, though. Crap. Because <laughs> he literally, yeah, your beachhead calls him out specifically by name over the oh, intercom. God. Yeah, that's He's like, so great. Come here, and then it's, he says, This means you, shipwreck. Ah, all right, I'm going, I'm going. Because he knows. Only after he's fucked up the pool tables, Phil. Yeah. Oh, geez. And, and also because it's a Buzz Dixon episode, shipwreck, the main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotta yep. notice it. I mean, yep. he loves shipwreck, as do we all. I also was really digging uh, Polly's work in this episode too, <laughs> because like a second ago he said something like "shirking your duty" yes. or, or something like that, and then and then he's like on board with he's like, "All right, we gotta go." <laughs> yeah, when, um, when the bird is your moral compass, <laughs> I was not a fan of shipwreck in season one. Season two shipwreck. <laughs> I can get behind this guy. It's because he went through the horrible mental anguish that was. There's no place like Springfield. Now he sees the futility in life, and he just doesn't want it anymore. Yeah, if you zoom in on um, any uh, um, shot of shipwreck in this episode, you look, <laughs> zoom in on his eyes. There's the picture of uh, his family in the uh, in, in the, the back of his eyes, the burning house <laughs> with a rocket launcher. Just a dream or two. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we find out about the MacGuffin device. They're trying to capture the what? From the- <laughs> now Cobra owns the MacGuffin device. That's three. Oh, and if you would let that play out, they say, whatever it does. Whatever it does. <laughs> Good so, line reading. So that's the, that's the first, that's the, that's one of the first times when, when people are like, I don't know. Yeah. And, yeah and, Which is so brilliant. Yeah, because definitely that's, that's the MacGuffin. That's what a MacGuffin, yeah. and you expect that that's... Well, uh, I think a lot of people who write uh, sketch comedy in L.A. can learn from this scene because Mm -hmm. they escalate it. It's not shatterproof. It is shatterproof. Mm -hmm. Then it's laser proof. No, laser, then shatter. Okay, excuse me. Laser proof, then shatter proof, but it's not rocket proof. Mm-mm. That's called heightening, kids. <laughs> if you're writing sketch comedy at home, it's a rule of threes, and the third one has to be the biggest. I could very easily see a MacGuffin That'll- device sketch where everyone is talking about this one thing and, and sort of, yeah. Can I add? That'll be $300. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love it. I absolutely, I mean, it's amazing. And so the fat one pulls out the rocket launcher and he, uh, or do we just call him Fatone? I, I think we should call him Porkins from now on. Call him Porkins. <laughs> That's fair enough. And of course, uh, so we get to the third piece of this puzzle, the Sunnydale Orphanage. Oh, I loved this. And uh, I like how the orphans see all of G.I. Joe going past their windows, and they keep saying things along the lines of, it doesn't matter, we're orphans. Yeah, it's so so sad. They're so depressing. Throughout the whole episode, they're like, don't worry about me, I'm just an orphan, no one will miss me. And they say it in such a matter of fact, they're not sad about it all, it's just matter of fact, like... No, let me get my just let me get my head cut off. No one's gonna care. I'm an orphan. I love this so hard. <laughs> How come we never get a bedtime story, Bobby? Why do you think? Because we're orphans, Jenny. <laughs> Jesus, that's so awful. Why are we dark. beaten on a regular basis? Also, Why do they come in and stick pokers <laughs> into our eyes? Because we're orphans, Jenny. Also, this is another super cliche storytelling device where there's oh, an sure. orphanage in trouble. It's literally a save the cat moment, almost to the <laughs> yeah. nose. Save the orphan moment. Yeah. Because again, orphans make the perfect like people you need to save. They're orphans. Uh, uh, why didn't the orphans see the cobras when they went by on the way to the facility? That's what I was wondering. Like, they there were a lot of tanks and stuff from Cobra too. Real quick, they were undercover. Like there was a okay. noise. Whoosh! Drive by. Um, They've got the MacGuffin device. Four. Don't let them escape. What's a MacGuffin device? Five. 
And then the response, top, top secret. Top You don't know either. Yep. <laughs> no, you don't know either. Love it. I that love is, it so much. That is a great sequence. All right, um, so we're up to five. Now we have a big fight scene that happens outside MacGuffin Laboratories. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you guys notice the weirdest thing happened with the bat transformer? They drop a shipping crate and say, this one bat. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this one bat transforms. The crate disappears and he becomes a regular-sized, man-sized bat robot. Mm-hmm. And he proceeds to, again, bats, either they're they're completely disposable in the, by the hordes mm-hmm. or one can murder an entire army. Yeah, this there one was, was no very strong. Also, I like that every time they're like, Ugh, we got to remind the kids what bat stands for. <laughs> so they're like, send in a battle android trooper. I know that... We could probably condense this right now, especially since we're on the battlefield and this t- time waster might cost us the battle. But I wanted to reiterate what it was, what it stood for, what BAT stands for, which again is battle android. Anyway, I feel like you guys know this. Uh, so, so probably release it now. Oh, everyone's dead. All right. I guess I'll go back to base. Here's the thing. I hope that like four episodes from now, someone's like, send in the BAT. They're like, what what bat? Like you mean like a like a, a vampire? We, were we supposed to bring bats or something? Or you mean like a baseball bat? Or we're like, God damn it! Fine for you, Higgins. Every time it's the same. It's the battle android trooper. How did you not get this? Like every single piece of our machinery is literally an abbreviation of words. <laughs> so th- this is what we do, Higgins. <laughs> Um, I did appreciate Gina, you, and I'm sure you appreciated this. The bat had his existential moment when he gets his head blown off, Boom. and he reaches up and he's like, <laughs> "I have no head. I have uh-huh. no head, and I time must scream. to keep fighting. Yeah. And I must scream." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I talked over that. That was amazing. He, he decides it doesn't matter, though. He's no, like, he, oh well, meh, keep fighting. No, nothing and, matters because this pod should secure the MacGuffin device. Six. Let's get going. Seven. Do we know how many minutes in at this point are, we are? Uh, we we're are about four like and a half minutes five, in. Yeah. Okay, because I guessed 15 based on the belief that, like, well, there can't be one a minute. So it's probably <laughs> slightly less than one a minute. We might be way off on this. Um, <laughs> I actually have my note here. Can they say MacGuffin device? We lost the MacGuffin device. Or eight. Eight. <laughs> this is why. I Yes. All I care about is beating Ray at this point, so. <laughs> which I will do. Because he he thought my guess of fifteen was crazy. Well, it's most without going over Price is Right rules, right? So it now has to be fifteen. I feel you know what I. That's that's a th- the the Price is Right thing is a thing, and we all know it and understand it. I feel like I hear it so often that it is a uh, it is now the default. If you're guessing a thing. The default is without going over. Specifically, right this rules. happened, yeah, at your podcast the other night, mm-hmm. yes. your live podcast, and I believe Sarah said, "Well, are we doing prices right rules?" And everyone was like, "Obviously." And find that on the 200th episode of Science Jerks, <laughs> available from Boardwalk Audio. Yeah, um, it's our sister podcast, but I'm also in it, so it's the uh, half, like half fraternal sister. twins. Yeah. yeah, the fraternal twins. It's just a freak of nature. Free? <laughs> no. Well, they they put the MacGuffin device oh, in the fire Oh, it would be a bat. Siamese twin. Uh, no, I'm sorry, a conjoined twin, wouldn't it? These two podcasts Do are conjoined cut you apart twins. No, I feel like it would it would be you living a double life. Uh, so uh, what do you call that? A shadow family? 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which one is the shadow family and which is the legit family? I mean, you had that one first, but I feel That's like true. we're way more we're, we're we're more fun, and you love us more as your second family. You should Ooh, at least say that for the benefit correct. of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, MacGuffin device goes up in a fire bat. Uh, shipwreck takes out a bazooka, uh, shoots it down, and mm. of course, it crashes square square into the orphanage i feel like orphanage on fire is is so is said so often in every story it's like every like kids go to like i didn't i don't have my homework because i was saving a bunch of orphans from a flaming building and this is what the thing i thought was a little bit weird is the thing crashes into the building and like sets it on fire immediately from a great distance away beachhead goes you hit the orphanage. It's like, how does he even know it's an orphanage? Really? Does he is he that aware of every building around He's this area? Beachhead. Of course, he I would feel know. like They'll before they go it. on a mission or something, they probably scout no, out the area, they, see how many they, casualties there would be. They literally passed right by in front of it because okay. that's what the kids were looking at as they were passing by. So probably looked over and like. That's an orphanage. All right. The fact that it's up in the mountains, I guess, with nothing else around it means yeah. there's no, no other weird. buildings it could be confused there's for. There's an orphanage yeah. and a bl- and, and a uh, <laughs> uh, skunk works operation like half a mile away. That's it. That's, That's all it. it's in this forest. What? What? Why don't they put the orphans closer to civilization? It's because Are they we don't really be- try to get them out there. They don't yeah. want civilized people to hear their horrible tiny screams. Yeah. Oh, Not okay. in my backyard. <laughs> they're they're like wind turbines. <laughs> they're just ugly. I don't want them around. Uh I do like that this burning orphanage gives Lifeline a chance to step up. Thank you. Do what he does yes. rather than bitch and complain like, I don't have any guns. Why are you fight? He just saves lives. He jumps right into the fire because yes. he's a badass. I have this exact note written down here that I like Lifeline so much better when we're not focused on him mm-hmm. whining. And he's actually doing all the hero shit. Lifeline might be the biggest hero in all of G.I. Joe. Yeah. If you just don't talk to him about violence. If you just don't talk to him. Like, he's a fucking awesome dude who, like, we should all want to love and marry. I feel mm. like he's like, he's like your vegan friends. Like, deep down, you know that they're like, they're, they're going to save the planet. Right. Like, if more people were vegans, the planet would be saved. And you're like, oh, God, they're so great. But then when you're with them. And they're like, hey, let me show you a binder full of uh, pictures of dead animals. <laughs> yes. And you're like, ah, you know what? Fuck you guys. I don't care if you're saving everyone. I was like, I'm sorry. Diet cheese does not taste as good as the real thing. <laughs> I, When you said movie night, I didn't think you meant a 90-minute Faces of Death slaughterhouse film. <laughs> I really need to go. <laughs> Uh, the, so the fire, the fire bats. So twenty one and twenty four, as we will now be calling them the rest of the episode, the Strato Vipers mm-hmm. uh, show up. And Cobra Commander is the biggest shit heel in this scene of all time. He puts his arms around them. Oh God! Hey guys, oh, great so to great. see ya. Big so fan of your great. work. Where's the MacGuffin device? Well, I'll, the let, I'll let him say it. Good work, boys. Where is the MacGuffin device? <laughs> and then their response, very, very vaudeville. He lost it. <laughs> Love it. It's a very buzz moment. It's a very buzz moment. Yes. Uh, so nobody has it. Cobra Commander is infuriated. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he has no idea what's going on. And that's basically the end of the scene. Yep. We just had to work in Cobra Commander for five seconds. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't think he appears the rest of the episode. Maybe at the very end for the battle. But, I don't, um, I don't even no, think well, so. Weirdly, Dr. Mindbender shows up. Yeah. Right. yeah. I think it was literally just like, remember this character? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So then G.I. Joe comes up with the, they make a judgment call, and they mm-hmm. say, we're just going to rebuild this entire orphanage. Sure. 
Uh, that won't take up, very long. They show up in the morning with a bunch of building supplies. They just have, As they the should. orphans are still standing outside. <laughs> I was They've been standing about outside all night long. They've got nowhere else to go, I guess. I like that because because Polly Polly is the voice of the audience here because shipwreck says like, oh, it's the least we could do. And in my mind, I was thinking like, yeah, it's the fucking least you could do. <laughs> Weird thing. Um, and. Okay, well, here's the thing. There are a shit ton of animation errors in this. Yes. So there's no and such thing as an animation yes. error, and I maybe didn't notice all of them. And I, I, oh, I feel like so it's many. probably because they were super crammed because they had to do a completely different animation style. Mm-hmm. So generally, I'm going to point it out like, that's some bullshit. But this episode, like, you know what? Yeah, this was probably just a fucking nightmare to do. So they get a pass for all of them, including this one where... Um, Shipwreck mouths the words that Polly says. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, which obviously is ventriloquism. Obviously, he's just uh, he's just like, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say... But that was shipwreck talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, po- Polly voiced my same attitude. <laughs> yeah, the very least after you yeah. almost set a bunch of orphans on fire. So it's literally the next morning. The orphans are still. I love that so much. It's like the innkeeper being tied up. Yep. It's just they're still just there with yep. nowhere to go. They, mm-hmm. I mean, like they have no plan. They didn't know GI Joe was coming back with a bunch mm-hmm. of building supplies. Mm-hmm. So they're just all kind of standing there, staring at each other waiting, all night. Waiting. Long. I think it was. Was like they were about. They were probably like two hours away from going like Lord of the Flies style. Oh on no! Each other. <laughs> Get like, piggy. Like the like. I think the the head of the orphanage was probably like. I mean, all of our food burnt up in there. We you have no parents to contact, so. I'm pretty much going to leave y'all here, and whenever one of you gets hungry, here's a knife. And then she just throws it in the middle of a circle of orphans and walks away. And luckily, Cobra got, uh, luckily, the Joes got there in time. I was just waiting for somebody, like a good neighbor, State Farm is. Because where's their insurance money at? Like, orphans don't have insurance. Yeah, they can't afford insurance. And, and, and so building an orphanage takes. One day? <laughs> yes. Like, because these kids still have nowhere to go, no food. Here's the thing. Yeah, they brought building uh, uh, building supplies. They didn't bring, like, uh, sleeping bags no. and tents. And <laughs> Only shipwrecked it. I was thinking, like, okay, theoretically, if you have enough people and enough manpower and unlimited money and supplies, like the U.S. military government. Like the that, Joes clearly yeah, do. Yeah. Could you build a house in one day? And then I was like, there is, like concrete needs to set that is correct so i don't know but i'm willing to buy it well we know that they were using wood to create the foundation we know they were using concrete because Mm -hmm. uh, a wetsuit falls in a vat of it Mm -hmm. was it beachhead one of them falls into the thing um but before we before we get to the building construction theorems oh yeah we got to talk about the dreadnoughts we've been waiting for this moment for a while also hold on a moment that's nine. There's my number right There's there. There's your number and right there. And I know there. I'm way off. We are, we are about <laughs> seven minutes into the episode. I still, I'm still holding out hope. I think you got this, Gina. Uh, You're in good shape. So when we first see Zartan, this feet up, like, you know, just like sitting in a chair, I couldn't tell what was in his hand. And it looked like a little, and, and my first impression was, is that a mini shake weight? Because he was doing something so weird with his hand where he was like. He was just fooling around with it. Just, and you know, it looked dude. like he was like, I got to work out on my bicep. Got to work his shake weight as he <laughs> tiny, hangs out on the porch. Tiny shake weight. I mean, it makes sense. You got to keep yourself, you know, like fit. 
if you're a dreadnought. And, sh- and shake weights do that? Uh, no. Can I say right now, that's one of my favorite TV commercials of all time. Shake is the is the Is the really muscular dude with no shirt on, <laughs> sweating, with this intense look on his face, working the shake weight, and they go, <laughs> I will just, if I- that's our tan. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've watched. I've watched that unprompted. Way more. I think, guys. I think I'm learning things about myself through this show. I feel like you are. Yeah. I, I, I love that commercial so much because it's so absurd, and the notion that it was made completely seriously yet should be a Saturday Night Live ad. I just enjoy shake weights. That's really the moral of the story. It's so fun. Um. So, uh, Chan, you got a a sound clip for us. The Dreadnoughts are fighting. Zartan basically gets an offer to steal the MacGuffin device. And, well, he says, I'll do it alone because I'm not taking these guys with me. Oh, you mint. Oh, you candy mint. Brass mint. Oh, candy mint. Brass mint. It appears, Commander, they're engaged in weighty philosophical debate. Oh, brawling again, eh? <laughs> All of that. Wonderful. It's, and uh, again, heightening. Like fucking uh, 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 Xandar comes in with a fucking <laughs> alligator. With an alligator. That's my, I think Xandar comes in and hits a dude with an alligator. Yeah. Like, that's beautiful. Now, that here's the beautiful. thing. Here's the thing. I like to imagine that this, this debate, because I feel like we have another hashtag that we need to get. Oh, okay. I I would like to imagine that this this debate is either, hey, on like an average day, which would you rather someone offer you a candy mint like a lifesaver or a breath mint like a like an Altoid, or Wait, what a oh, candy? What? Uh, there's the okay. There's a breath mint which I think is an Altoid, and a candy mint is like a Tic Tac. Oh, I was thinking of a candy mint is like one of those like wrapper peppermint discs that you get at like restaurants in the jar as you're leaving. So oh. see, I feel what I feel like the actual argument probably was was, hey, what do you call these things? Okay, yeah, but which what is what are you talking well, about? Well, this though? was pre-Altoid, so I would imagine it was something along the lines of lifesaver, the, the mint lifesavers, certs, or they're called certs. certs. Okay, no, they're, certs. they're called lifesavers. There are also oh, lifesavers. Like those are fruit flavors. flavors. Yeah, oh. they have like they have like mint life. Savers. You nobody eats that shit. It's fruit flavor or nothing, Gina. <laughs> yeah. Tropical but they if you're feeling frisky. They also mm. have like Mentos, not the fruit flavored Mentos, but the mint Mentos. I don't which know if Mentos sort of were like... around in '86. They definitely were, but I don't think that was what they would have been talking about. I think they probably were talking about the the kind that they have at restaurants. The wrap. That, that's kinds. what I would think. I but... feel like it's Tic Tacs because Tic Tacs are like uh, they're more candy than an average breath mint, but they're marketed as a breath mint. Here's the thing. It depends. Orange orange Tic Tacs, they do nothing for your breath. Oh, no, orange I'm Tic Tacs are an abomination. A normal white How Tic Tac. A normal white Tic Tac. I mean, I would, I would personally call those a breath mint. I would call them a candy mint. Oh, no. <laughs> so you see how this devolves. This is what I'm saying. All right, everyone, what would yeah. you call a Tic Tac? Hashtag breath mint, hashtag candy mint. And we yeah. do need answers for this. Hashtag weighty philosophical debate. And I will reach out. This will be the second thing I reach out to Buzz about when I when I reach out to a <laughs> breath mint or candy mint. Um, it's just, it's it's maybe the purest dreadnought moment we've ever seen. Yeah, it is. It's the purest. It's such a great character moment. The, again, that works on an adult level yep. that the kids would find enjoyable, but adults also enjoy it. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Now back to G.I. Joe. 
so, so cutting back to the orphanage now. Sure. Uh, we have an entire set of Three Stooges gags with yes. Shipwreck mm-hmm. uh, as he's t- holding the board and slapping Beachhead Leatherneck and a wetsuit in the head with it. Mm-hmm. We didn't even touch on the fact that Zartan uh, completely destroys a a an effigy Cobra Commander. Oh, Cobra yes. Commander? Yes. Uh, I just think that's expected. I don't even think Cobra Commander would be surprised by that, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, I no. just think it's, I just think, like, at some point, I want to see him try to do some sort of hostile takeover. I guess he has before. He no, has no. absolutely tried. He has in the, right. uh, in the Weather Dominator miniseries we haven't done yet. The second G.I. Joe movie, they have three pieces of this device to, the Destro made to control the weather. Mm-hmm. The Dreadnoughts, uh, G.I. Joe gets one, Cobra gets another. They're going for the third one, and the Dreadnoughts absolutely run off with it and decide <laughs> we're a third party. We're, we're the Gary Johnson of this Weather Dominator crew. And the uh, G.I. Joe and Cobra both look at them like, we could absolutely crush you in five <laughs> seconds and take it anytime we want to. I also feel like they did the same thing with uh, one of the satellite episodes. Um, yes. They're in, like, uh, yeah, we're boss, the boss now. Yeah. In the Pyramid of Darkness, they took over the uh, with the Crimson Twins. They took over the space station and said, we control the pyramid now. Right. Uh, right. They will absolutely make, make a run for it sure. if they think they can. They just are really bad at holding any kind of anything. And also, uh, Cobra Commander understands that, and he doesn't give a crap. Like, when he says, like, uh, brawling again, that's what he hires them for. Yes. And he knows that they're only doing it for the money, and if they don't get paid, they're not going to do the work, and it doesn't it doesn't matter how much they hate him, he's got the money, so they'll do the job. And they'll do the job because they want the money. And you hire people based on you know what they can do. You know their skills. If you mm-hmm. hire somebody who's always late all the time, you just have to plan around that. Mm-hmm. You hired them. You know the deal. Oh, he's a good writer, but I have to do A, B, and C. Well, if he's a good enough writer, you're ready to do that. You know? mm-hmm. uh, that's what I tell myself, at least. <laughs> oh, no. That's why we... Uh... Uh, scheduled this recording for noon, knowing <laughs> that we weren't going to start until one fifty. It's, it's an appreciated thing that uh, happens. Yes, at one fifty, Chan. That's so early. Um, so shipwreck has already got a bed set up so he can take a nap. He's told get out of yeah. here, and he has already planned for it. Oh yeah. <laughs> and now we get another another horrible orphan line. Uh, oh, the because the little girl uh, Sally or whatever comes up to mm-hmm. shipwreck and says, oh, yeah. "Hey, Mister, tell me a story." He goes, "Beat it, kid," or something to that effect. To which she immediately oh, goes he, into. He, he, she says, "What are you doing?" And he says, "I'm testing the wood." Looks and like you're like, napping. Oh, and so she like he, wanted him to tell her a story. He's testing the structural soundness of plywood. Yes, of the plywood. Yeah. and that needs to be uh, done. Yeah. Also, yeah, and I I love that. Uh, um, he tells Polly, uh, "Yeah, do I know how to avoid work?" Because. Yeah, obviously, that whole thing smacking people and knocking mm-hmm, them down. Like, mm-hmm. he knows what's At up. At first, you think he's, he's an idiot, and then you realize he absolutely no. did it on oh, purpose. Yes. He's a genius. Then, and then comes the heartbreaking moment. So, Clarence, that's okay. You're real busy testing wood. I'm just an orphan. And she immediately now, starts bawling. Here's the thing. It's either it's either heartbreaking or this little bitch knows exactly what oh, she's she doing. Oh, she 100%. I was just right here. playing him. Emotional a, manipulation. Yeah. I'm just an orphan. She, she is whips gonna, up some tears. She's going to break some good men later in life. Yeah, she's yeah. going to break thought. them. You know what? If you if you uh, uh, donate uh, uh, 20 bucks to our Patreon, we will send you a t-shirt that says, I'm just an orphan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, at which point, Shipwreck breaks down. He decides to tell the story, uh-huh. and this could be an entire episode unto itself, uh, Shipwreck's he, story. Here's the thing. The story starts out, and you know I immediately hate it, even though it's a fake story and a fake cartoon. 
Because both of the little boys in it are torturing animals. Oh, they are. That's Ooh. right. Like, ho- not only torturing, one of them kills a fish. Well, yeah, so I mean, kills the fish. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he could have been eating it. You don't know. I'm, it's it's completely free of meat when he pulls it up. It's just bones. Well, it basically we get we, we cut animation styles. It's more of a Smurfs style right now. The animation is dope. Oh, that's cool. It right? is super cool. <laughs> well, you've got the story of a uh, 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 a father, Dud Duke, uh huh, and his three children, Leatherhead, Frogface, and Ship Shape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I have to tell you in the audience who is what, you're, you've you've already lost. Is Frogface is the guy with the with the cloth over his head? That's wetsuit, not beachhead. Beachhead is not found in this story whatsoever. It's Leatherneck, Wetsuit. I'll tell you, oh, any. Leatherneck, it, Wetsuit, and Shipwreck is the hero. Got it. And they need yeah, hamburgers. They're, all, they're the three marine-based uh, mm-hmm. uh, Right. Joes. They're the three water Joes yeah. in this episode. Um, I guess Beachhead is kind of two, but yeah, don't worry about that. The t- no, if you're going to pick no, two he's, people, he's you're going to pick the two. He's on the beach. That's why we call yeah. him Beachhead. <laughs> so they need hamburgers or they're going to starve to death. So they send out Leatherhead to get the hamburgers. Oh, you and the- just skipped oh, did I skip over? so much. Well, okay, excuse me. They're fighting over. <laughs> I don't think I noticed that. They're having the exact the, same fight as yes. the Dreadnoughts were having. Yes. yes. I did skip over that. That is so yeah. wonderful. Um, it is wonderful. Um, so, so that, 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 yeah, there we go. So they're fighting, and they're escalating as well. With the, like, I think at the end of it, one of them has an atomic bomb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's just chasing after him. He's going to hit him with it or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there is like a very, a very, that type of animation style joke in there when the Duke tests the stew, and it turns out it's not stew. He says, oh, I've tasted better laundry detergent than this. Come to think of it, this is laundry. This is laundry. Hey, hey, kids. Hey, hey, I'm ready. <laughs> we have no food left. Go get food. Go get hamburgers. And now we have a uh, have a uh, uh, three Billy Goats gruff-esque. We have, yeah. We have a three little pigs mm-hmm. kind of deal where uh, Leatherhead is beaten by the Big Bad Cobra, mm-hmm. uh, who takes his like money mm-hmm. uh, to buy the food, and then Frogface takes a cow to go trade it for hamburgers. Ugh, the animal abuse in this story is horrendous. Oh, mm-hmm. and then that little bratty orphan is like if he has a cow oh he Why represents he? every uh mansplainer on the internet who, yeah, who will appear 30 yes. years later yes if he's got a cow why does he need to get trained for a hamburger i mean to be fair it's a shitty story he's uh, making it up on the fly also kids. there is a vast difference between like i have a cow that i know how to milk and i have a cow that i know how to butcher and process into hamburger if you meat. have a cow if you own a cow if that is your livestock you better know how to butcher I think, it. I think they kept it as milk for milk. Well, do we? Are we just skipping over the fact that Zarana is the fairy stepmother? Oh no! Of course uh, no. not. And that she hits him over uh, the head with a club and just walks off with the cow. And again, the little bratty boy says, "There's no such thing as a fairy stepmother." Well, actually, <laughs> in all caps, I put "damn hips though." <laughs> she look good. She's our, I'm telling you right now, cartoons are bump and grind. She look real good. Yeah. Also, what is she in this story? Isn't he supposed to be like a little boy? What is she? She's mad when he doesn't like yeah, yeah notice yeah. her yes. and instantly what pop a, a little boy boner. <laughs> What, nine-year-olds don't want to have sex with full-grown women now? <laughs> what kind of world is this? <laughs> Strange one. I mean, she's probably doing a G.I. Joe podcast is what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. So I have to decide whether I kill this child or have sex with it <laughs> or take it back and live with them for the rest of my life. And uh, do we notice that, like, Velma showed up? Velma's one of the orphan children. 
What? A girl. No. I, I just I just noticed it here. Like uh, the orphan kids gather around to hear right. the story because they have literally nothing else to do. No. Mm-hmm. And so one of the kids is just Velma, and she just starts appearing in crowd shots over and over <laughs> again. It was just a strange decision. And uh, uh, yeah. and the, these kids, I mean, basically. Even more than food, they're starved for attention. Yes. Uh-huh. Which is why the little girl's like, you shut the fuck up. Yep. We're interacting with an adult human being who is not, you know, like uh, beating us or telling us yeah. to yeah. go somewhere. He's not shooing us away with a broom. I feel like yeah. that that obnoxious, jerky little kid like grows up to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company or something. Oh, wow. Oh, rags to riches. Mm-hmm. He owns a really like right wing pizza chain. Yeah, <laughs> that's yep. where he ends up. Is this going the with origin it. of Papa John's? Yeah. Sure oh my god, it's Papa John Snyder. <laughs> it, the timelines hold up, guys. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Leatherneck comes in and says the story's over, and I just I don't. Dang it! This is what happens when I watch the thing at night. I just have it written here like uh, uh, in this story, the girl is me and Bobby is Chan, and I'm not exactly sure what that means or why. Story. Bobby and is ch- Bobby is the troll kid. Okay, and I would be the girl sitting on shipwreck's lap, and mm. maybe it's just my own fantasy. I think it's life. because you, uh, a, a lot of the time, will just be like, "Don't yes. question like, it." I That's love what's this going show. On. Yes. Question it. Like, In regards to this podcast, I am Sally, and you are Bobby. That means I'm the storyteller. No, you're Leatherneck. <laughs> you're Leatherneck, being like, "Come on, guys, let's talk about food." <laughs> I I approve this message. That's where I came up with that. Yes, it represented a perfect metaphor for this podcast, this moment in the show. Uh, so they sent Shipwreck off with a metal detector to search for duds, mm-hmm. uh, search for landmines and whatnot. This is how yep. he's searching for it. He's just waving it at the trees. Uh, he does it. not he care. Doesn't know how he to doesn't want to be there. That's, it takes more effort to lift it up and wave it at the trees. Oh, I'm sorry. Have you never been a six-year-old and just like... I don't. This is so hard. I'm like walking and like I don't. Uh. Gina, you've never been around a kid who's trying to put his shoes on and doesn't want to go because that's yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah, it's the same thing. I 100 percent remember my mom was like trying to take me on a run or something like that, and like after you know 50 feet, I get tired, and so I start flopping my arms and just like this is so much harder than. I asked the question, why is G.I. Joe planting landmines around an orphanage? I, I mean, maybe it's not theirs. I, mean, I just want to know, at some point later on, the little girl's like, I'm going to go find Shipwreck, runs off into the forest that may or may not have landmines, <laughs> and everyone's like, meh. She's they, just an orphan. They did say... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> she's just an orphan. Uh, they did say dead rockets. Oh, so okay. it's a thing like, okay. yeah, like things okay. are falling enough. off shit. Uh, so, and here's the deal. He finds the MacGuffin device. Uh-huh. Yes, he does. I forgot about it, too, at this point. <laughs> that story was so compelling, I completely forgot about the MacGuffin. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I guess it's right. Zartan chops him in the back of the neck, knocks him out, one shot, G.I. Mm-hmm. Joe style. And At- apparently has a ready-made shipwreck mask. He brings somehow, it with him. Somehow knew oh, that yeah. that would be the one Joe that he encountered. Oh, no, no, he's got a bunch. He's got a bunch. I he think he made it out of twigs and sticks. Yeah. I think he's that talented. Uh, uh, and also, we find out the exact number. The going rate for a... Uh, for a uh, uh, MacGuffin. Dreadnought mission. Three hundred thousand. Three hundred grand. Mm-hmm. No wonder Which he wanted is, to do it by himself. It's respectable. Yeah, it's respectable money. Even so you wouldn't want to split it at with this point, eight ways. At this no. point, the MacGuffin mentions have have died off a bit. So I'm I'm feeling pretty confident right now. Are you? Thanks him for finding the MacGuffin device. That's number ten right there. Uh oh. All right. Okay, we got We got to ramp up MacGuffins. <laughs> no. Um. So he fa- so uh, uh he puts on the shipwreck outfit. He's ready to go. He goes back to his swamp rat to take off. But the Joes have found it already. Can I just say that if I was if I was a Joe, with the amount of times they get stripped naked so someone could steal their clothes, 
I would always make sure that my undies were like on point. Like if they said something hilarious or that they had like cartoons on them. Uh, I don't know. I think you got to go straight up white. Tiny whiteies. It's, it's government issued. They're in not the going to a- give you Superman underoos. I yeah. would love that. In the eighties, they would have they would have uh, called you a, a homosexual for wearing <laughs> anything other yeah. than white. If you underpants. wore boxers hey, back in nineteen eighty six, Marty McFly deviant. can get away with purple Calvin Kleins. So can all of the military. But he couldn't. Did he get away with he it? He didn't though? get away yeah. at all. In fact, that is exactly what happened to him. <laughs> Gina, you remember that movie a lot different than I do. <laughs> she thinks they're cool. She starts calling him Calvin. Because people uh, wrote their name in their underwear. That's the whole that's, point. That's that. The underpants weren't the reason why she wanted to uh, jam him inside her. <laughs> wow. I think they couldn't have hurt, though. Well, we learned that Leatherneck sucks at storytelling, as oh, as God. to be expected, right? Yeah, yes. His story is just absolutely terrible. It just, <laughs> He's just like, and then it's over. It's, like, that, it's like a weird, it's like a three little pigs thing where they all are practically like, he's like, one builds it out of sandbags. One builds this pretty strong foundation with concrete. Yeah. It's very, it's very, it's very paint by numbers. It's very, oh. Uh, a, B, C, done. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And we've seen how starved for attention this little girl is. <laughs> the fact pissed. that she was like, fuck this, I'm out of uh, here. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. as bad and as and it she, gets. So she wanders into the forest where it's been previously set up that there might be things that could kill her. Yes. Sure. Uh, well, fake shipwreck. Zartan is shipwreck. They pull him in to tell the story because he's got nothing better to do. He's, he's undercover. He's got to do it. So his story involves Cobra winning. <laughs> Did we, did we, uh, we sort of skipped over the part of Shipwreck's story where he meets the ugly giant who is a uh, mindbender, but the hamburgers oh, on the wall. he was, wasn't he? I didn't see it, him Well, no, because he had like a kind of a, like a beard without like the mustache part and the must, and that is, it's the opposite of mindbender. Because he's got I, uh, I didn't, no I didn't make that connection. But he is bald, story. so it's, yeah. I, I, he's the only bald guy that I could think of. Yeah. But and because we saw him at the end, I was like, oh, because for a while I was like thinking of texting you guys and being like, hey, who's the bald one supposed to be? But then when Mindbender shows up at the end, I'm like, oh, that's clearly supposed to be Mindbender. I didn't think he should have had a mustache. So who did you think it was? I just thought it was just a giant dude. No, I didn't didn't make it. I didn't didn't put any meaning to it at all. No, no, probably should have. In hindsight, it makes sense. But also there he has the weird the hamburger mine. Which the jerky kid points out isn't a thing. Yep. It's totally has the a thing. weirdest looking hamburgers in it. It's like hamburgers on toast. Well, no. Here the problem is, is that um, they're supposed to be like gems sticking out of the wall. Oh, I get right, it. Right, like uh, you mine the hamburgers. I right, get it. Except that the animators were like, <laughs> we do not have time for this. <laughs> so so this the is thing partial hamburgers seeing, stuck to the wall. What it is. Yep. It's a it's partial so hamburger. Yep, it's they're a like half partial burger. hamburgers. It, Literally, however the shape is of them sticking out of the wall, that is the full shape of the hamburger. It, I thought it was like someone was making these hamburgers and putting them on toast because it looks like a triangle of toast. Yeah, when he pull when they're in the wall and when he pulls them yeah, out, no, it looks like a half a grilled cheese. You see sandwich. what you're what you're saying, but uh, it's just the. I don't think that was the intention. Yeah. Mm, uh, so so it, this, so yeah so a uh, cover girl, Lady J, and Scarlet as fairy. God princesses or whatever it is, they show up and free him from the cage of the giant is in the story. There's another weird animation error where something yes. disappears. Uh, Shipwreck mouths some words uh, again that just aren't correct. But at mm. some point, something disappears because I put what was that disappearing thing? There was a, uh, I think it was uh, Beachhead. There's there's a Joe who comes up to them 
uh, talking that is not Beachhead, and they cut away, cut right back to him, and it's Beachhead. Because and he's not wearing a mask okay. either. It's yeah. really it's weird. Yeah. yeah. But again, no, no, there's never a mistake made. So it's nope. just that's just what uh-huh. happened. Uh-huh. Whatever happened, happened, kids. And then uh, Polly is the savior of the day. This is, I mean, I'm sure you're one of your favorite Polly moments. Savior. Polly is the savior of the day because I distinctly know a little girl goes up and says first. Okay. Mm -hmm. First, she says it. He's not shipwreck. He's not shipwreck. No one listens because she's. they're already giving her a lesson in how men don't listen to women. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Polly comes up and tells her, and she's like, that's what I've been fucking telling everyone. <laughs> I get it. So since Polly's a man, now we all got to listen to Polly. And then there's a weird moment where I was like, ah, he's in his unders around little kids. I and mean, it's goes- not like he was... He- Stripped down. It was like, hey, it's little girl, they could have go gone to the I know, beach. But tell she, you a story. She had to untie his hands, which were kind of by his butt. It made me. It made me feel icky. Oh, absolutely. What are you saying that she was assaulting him, sexually assaulting him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't see the part where she was like, "If I leave him tied up for just a moment, let's get away from that moment right there." <laughs> so uh, the thing ends with the orphanage getting firebombed. Wait again. a minute. Yes, he's got the MacGuffin device. Eleven. Me. Nobody knows. Nobody, Nobody knows. knows. All right, we're up to twelve. So we got uh, so the, the big battle scene here to end because we're only like two minutes from the end of the episode at this point. Ooh, I'm feeling real good about my part. <laughs> my guess. Uh, without going over, Gina. I I reject these prices right rules. It's mm-hmm. just down nope. to me or Ray. It's, it's whoever gets closest. It's the standard. No, we can't not have a winner. Then it's chaos. Well, what I kind of society no, no. do we live in? No, if you go over, you will lose. So there will be a winner. It just won't be it's you. It's gone over nine. Yeah, it's already gone over, so right. you've already lost. No, his number, no. I haven't gone over. The number that you oh, choose. I guess has I gone. see. You, we need to I sit see. you down and watch oh, some Drew Carey, really obviously. Like yeah. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right now, you're winning. If we go over, you don't win. There you go. So you're in the lead. Uh, it's, and then just crazy. Big battle happens. The, the orphanage gets beamed out again. Yep. And then uh, Shipwreck ends up with the, with the MacGuffin device. I, I suppose there's another drop coming. That's 13. And the MacGuffin device. Now, I was, Shane, you're going to have to explain the science on this to me. It turns his cartoon stories into reality and then, like, baby frog face and whatnot attack the cobras in their cockpits. It, it, it like, seemingly is, like, ripping. Like, Shipwreck looks like he's in pain. It tears it's the fabric of reality. things from him. Yeah. yeah. At first, I thought the thing just made him. A, I thought, I thought it, it made him, him giant. A giant. Me too. I thought and, so too. And yes. then lasers yes. out of his eyes. Yep. But then we just saw Same like here. it was the, just a forced perspective shot. Yeah. Which, uh, which are we supposed to assume that? So he's still thinking about this story. I don't think he can stop thinking about this story at this point. <laughs> what the thing does apparently is uh, it alters the fabric of reality. It's sort of like projecting solid hallucinations. It draws out the innermost nature of the user. Mm-hmm. And so, so Shipwreck sure. literally is living this cartoon in and, his mind. And then yeah. one of the guys is like, oh, Lucky, it's a good thing. Like, we, he he's so, he, you know, he's not like crazier, isn't, isn't yeah. more shallow or we something. We are is, so lucky that Low Light didn't get a hold of oh us. That, that's, that was what I was thinking. Was that Low Light that said that? <laughs> Otherwise, it's like live action, the movie Doom, where yeah. the portal from hell opens and the demons <laughs> just come out. Oh, my God. I never even considered that. I'm also thinking yeah, like. Yeah, that was the first thing that I thought. Thank God Shipwreck was in one of his more childlike moments. Otherwise, it's just strippers. Yeah. And... Or like memories of his dead, melted daughter. Oh, my God. 
Like she's like half mouth and she's like, Daddy, come back with me. <laughs> and here's my question now. Are these cartoon characters in the world for, for forever? No. Or no, no, they, they disappeared evaporate? at the end. They do disappear they at the end. Yeah. Okay, I missed that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the cartoons become real. And then we just, he finally finishes the story. Uh-huh. And it gets really awkward. Wait, so there were no more mentions of MacGuffin in that whole thing? Let's finish this. All right. So uh, Shipwreck has its chance because now we're wrapping it up real fast. Uh Mm -hmm. Shipwreck finishes the story Mm -hmm. with a happy ending. They've rebuilt the orphanage. They've rebuilt the orphanage. It's like tomorrow. By the end of the day, yeah. Mm -hmm. This all takes place in one 24-hour period, I'm convinced at this point. Mm -hmm. Is he still in his underwear at this point? No, right? (laughs) I think he got his clothes back. Okay, good. They had backup clothes. I feel like you would have known if you were surrounded by children and and almost completely naked. I mean, listen, I, I'm not I'm not complaining that he was in his underwear. I just feel weird it, that dude, he's around the kids. When he was standing up, I was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. this dude! Is, yeah, well, all the Joes are like ripped. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, he was he was pretty good though. He was pretty he was pretty nice. He had good abs. He was, yeah, I didn't get to see the butt, but. Not yeah, even when he was tied the, up. You got to see the front end there. Yeah. Oh, he's he's packing some heat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just have written down here. He finishes a story and th- then things get super awkward and then that's I mean, the end of the episode. Don't you wish every story ended happily? Uh, yeah. Sure do. I sure do, honey. They sure do. Uh, well, it's, bye. It's yeah. It's just kind of a nice, quiet. I you know. I for sure thought like at some point I was like, oh yeah, they're gonna like find them homes nope. or put them to work on the military base. Get but back like, in your orphanage. Yeah. It's like all right. Well. Bye. Enjoy your new prison hell Yeah, that we built for you. And we only built the thing. We didn't fill it with toys or food. I feel like he should all have also been like, also, by the way, you're like past the age that most people want to adopt kids at this point because you're already like you already have all your issues. Most people want babies. Uh, yeah, we want babies. <laughs> just know, just true. remember what Zartan said. Only the strong survive. Like it or lump it. You basically have a choice. You can join the Dreadnoughts or yeah, be a I, dust child. They're all going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> they're using the MacGuffin. The... That is number 14. Number 14. Do Here's a question now. Drum roll, please. Chan, <laughs> do we get a 15th MacGuffin device reference? That was the MacGuffin device. That is 15. I that one. No, that is a completely different one. Wait, it, it sounded so a lot like 13. Is, it sounded a lot like, no, it sounded a lot like 12. That is 15. Okay. So the question is, I mean, like, if we end right here. Did I get it exact? Uh, you nailed it to the point. You're going to win this, Gina. You have yeah. won the competition. And then- MacGuffin device. That is 16. 16. You it. almost had it exactly. Mm-hmm. You did get, fifth. you said 15 and it's 16. So you... Is pretty I'm impressive. the best. I'm the best at everything ever. I'm the smartest. I'm way smarter than Ray. Gina, can I say right I now, mean, for the record, I yield to your mastery. Yes, I win. I win at everything. And this translates to life somehow. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> Gina, did this pass the Bechdel test? It did not. And I will say Are that- you sure? Uh-oh. Did the fairies talk to each other? They did not. Okay. They did not. They were sure. seen together, but they did not talk to each other. But I will say that I feel like, and I love him, but I feel like out of all of Buzz's episodes, only one ever actually. No, I, I thought he passed I don't think the he test he on did a regularity. Times. Yeah. yeah. No, because the last few we've had did not. Well, nothing in season two so far has passed the Bechtel test. We had a pretty decent hit rate of like 25, 30% in yeah. season one, <laughs> which all things considered, especially given the time period it came <laughs> out in, that's extraordinary. Uh, the numbers got skewed because the uh, Arise Serpentor Arise uh, had like almost no women in it. Oh, Zorana oh. only. 
Yeah. Really? Or and I think uh, Scarlett showed up like one episode. I mean, we haven't seen we haven't seen the Joe ladies other than in this brief com- cartoon thing mm-hmm. in a long time. Mm. Yeah, they were there. I mean, they were there in this episode, I believe, but all background characters. Nobody took took, took the front. But also. Uh, there were no of all the new characters created. No new lady. Joes. No new lady Joes. But they did one. have Zorana, and she has taken a pretty uh, role. forward role. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I just feel like uh, little boys didn't want to see girls being the good guys. Well, I mean, they're all over season one. Like, there's a lady on every team. Yeah, in I feel like, one. I, and I feel like they did audience testing, and kids were like, "It's pretty good, except for these girl bits." And that's how we ended up with the MRA crowd of today, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, guys, that's going to do it for Once Upon a Joe. We got some contact information to throw at you. Uh, as always, you can hit us up Facebook.com/slash Knowing Is Half the Podcast. Uh, we have a Patreon set up that you can go ahead. And you can uh, do a monthly donation, or you know, you can go on there, donate to us once, and then you know, stop. I mean, whatever. You know, it's jerky, but you can. Do it. Uh, uh, if you give twenty bucks a month, uh, you can tell us what alt, uh, extra shows we're going to do of other cartoons, and we will do them for you. I mean, that's just going to happen, and you'll have access. If you do five bucks or higher, you'll have access to our private vault of bonus content. Mm-hmm. Bonus. Uh, bonus. Also, we have an Amazon link thingy on the Facebook page, so go there as well. Uh, also on the Boardwalk page, on the Boardwalk uh, Audio, right page. top there at the banner, it says "Support the Artists." Support, support the, the artists. artists, and that's us. Support we're artists. artists. We are. Artisans, we are I'm an artisan the dream pizza. makers. We will say funny things about any cartoon episode <laughs> you want us to. We will absolutely take the time to watch it and analyze it uh-huh. for your enjoyment. That is what we do. Knowing is half the podcast. Probably ruining it forever for you. I, it's entirely possible, yes, <laughs> as we bring up terrible things. Uh, otherwise, on Twitter, you can hit us up. We are on Twitter at G.I. Joe Podcast. However, individually, I am at Almighty Ray. I'm at 999 RPMs. I'm at Gina Ippy. And come back Wednesday for our Know Your Joe. For Once Upon a Joe, I will 100% reach out to Buzz Dixon. He's usually, I mean, 100% of the time so far, very good about getting back to me and having mm-hmm. lots to say about an episode. So you'll be able to hear his final thoughts on Once Upon a Joe. And also, you know, brief plug for Buzz Dixon's this, this episode, go on uh, Amazon Kindle uh, Worlds and check out um, The Most Dangerous Man in the World. Mm-hmm. Everyone should be downloading and purchasing this novel because it is awesome. It's mm-hmm. the new G.I. Joe freshness. Uh, and you want to do that. You should go uh, to Amazon through our Amazon oh, link I like and what you're saying. buy uh, Buzz's Amazon book. It's like four bucks. I mean, seriously, Get on people. Book? Yeah. Champ bought it and he had a free copy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not that smart. There it is. <laughs> Or are you just that dedicated? Yes. Oh. Let's say that. Did, but did, the question is, did you use our Amazon link? No. <laughs> God. I will say, uh, uh, I dressed up as Sergeant Slaughter for Halloween. Mm-hmm. I used the Amazon link to buy the hat. I dressed up as uh, the Baroness for Halloween. Yes. I forgot to use our link. But go on our page and check out our Halloween costumes. Yes. If you, and, if you uh, haven't done it, done so uh, and you missed out on previous episodes on uh, Knowing Is Half the Podcast, we do have. Maybe we should make that the cover photo it, for a we, while. I feel like we should. Yeah. Uh, give Gina the, is the Baroness. Give the people what they want. Me as Sergeant Slaughter. We did not get enough. So go on five stars on uh, iTunes. Give us a five star review. You, and maybe you cut that sentence year. off. What he meant to say was we did not get enough to get Chan dressed yes. up. But maybe next Halloween now that the, now that we all have costumes. It's still a goal. Yeah. We want to get Chan as Dr. Mindbender. It's almost too perfect. And if the if the outfit doesn't involve gum in some way, it's really a missed <laughs> opportunity. If you find orange gum, <laughs> I think it has to be part Joe. of the deal. And we'll do it for not Halloween. Why not? Mm-hmm. Anyways, guys. Walking around outfits. Uh, that will do it. Uh, we already said our personal Twitter handles, right? Yep. So we're done.
Any last words, guys? MacGuffin. <laughs> That's 17. You lose. <laughs> Ooh. I'm Kevin Goatee. Hey, I'm Kevin Israel. We host Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best and most unique movie debate podcast out there. Why? Because we invite our guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. They must pick a film that is a financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. That's right. Some of the films our guests have tried to eviscerate, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pulp Fiction, Ghostbusters? You can find us on all podcast platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you want to watch our smiling faces, we're also on YouTube. GuttingTheSacredCow.com is where you find all of our information. And we look forward to our guests infuriating you when they attack your favorite films.